Hello everyone and welcome to Mind Body Green's Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Do you love hair hacks, viral trends, and all things hair care? Well, you've come to the right episode. Today we are talking to Matt Newman, a viral sensation on TikTok. Well, more specifically, hair TikTok. Matt is a longtime hairstylist, so he certainly knows his stuff. And in the past year, he has become something of an online guinea pig for all of the craziest hair care hacks and trends that take TikTok by storm. And along the way, he shares just a ton of valuable, fun advice and generally just makes insider hair care tips more accessible. So that is what today's episode is all about, having fun with your hair, learning how to get what you want, understanding that not every tip is for every hair type, and some product recommendations while we're at it. So let's go ahead and get into it. Matt, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am such a fan of your content on TikTok, and I think you just make such relatable and reliable hair care content for us, especially for those of us with curly and weavy hair like myself. So I can't get enough of your work. But before we begin, I would just love if you could introduce yourself to our audience. You know, what is your story and how did you get interested in hair and beauty? Oh my goodness. Thank you for all those kind words. I appreciate your your support so deeply and I'm so happy to be here. My background is that I am a hairstylist. I'm a licensed cosmetologist in New York State and I've been doing hair for 10 years in New York. And, and that, that really led me to TikTok when all of my jobs sort of closed down at the time of the, pan, the first lockdown in New York City. I started my career before social media was really a part of networking. So my work and my work opportunities have really always existed offline, which has just been, I, and there are still people out there like that, you know, contrary to popular belief, there's still people in different industries that don't use social media to network. I was a part of that and never really got super sucked into social media. And I just happened to turn to TikTok when I was at home bored and I saw the connectivity and the ability to, you know, impact people and connect with people. And it made me really excited. So I just had the idea to start posting some of my basic hair hair tips and tricks online on TikTok. So, you know, tell me about, about how you got started in hair in general. You know, what what drew you to this industry? What drew you to become a hairstylist? I was a summer intern one year during when I, I was getting my undergrad degree. And I had in New York, I came to New York for a summer internship and I had to wear like office appropriate clothes. And I, that mixed with office appropriate behavior and nine to five lifestyle just could not have. (laughs) I don't know. I wanted to wear shorts and tank tops and I wanted to, you know, like have some time during the weekday free to myself. I I just missed that sort of like college lifestyle. I don't know if that even makes sense, but yeah, no, for sure. It does. So after, you know, about a year of after college, trying to figure out what to do with myself, I said, I'm going to beauty school. I I want to, you know, just embrace 
something other than the corporate nine to five world. So you obviously had a long career in here in New York City. And, you know, I'm just curious, were you working in salons? Were, you know, you working with clients? I, I have a lot of friends who are hairstylists and I, I love hair personally. So I'm just so interested in how people's careers evolve when they are hairstylists. I have done it all, honey. I have literally, I've lived so many lives in 10 years and 10 years in the world of hairstyling is you're still a newbie. You're still a newbie at 10 years in, just not the newest of the newbies. And so when I was in beauty school, I really did not know what I wanted to do when I left beauty school. And beauty school in New York is about eight months if you go full time, super quick. And I randomly looked at the job, ran a little like physical bulletin board job board in the beauty school. And someone had requested a hair and makeup person, one person to do both for behind the scenes for a feature length independent film. And they were filming it on Sundays and Mondays because it was a whole group of, you know, people working other jobs, including me as a beauty school student. So I ended up booking that gig. I think I might've been the only person who said they wanted to do it. And I worked with this amazing group of people my age. I was about 22 and everyone else was maybe just a few years older than me. And they had put together the funding to film their own independent project that they were working on. And we shot for like three months, every Sunday and Monday. And I fell in love with the production world and especially as a behind-the-scenes creative. I was not a PA. I was not show running or whatever that might be. It's like, it's a very special role to play. You're your own department. You're your own boss. You're your own, I mean, not really your own boss. There's someone else in charge. But it's like, I was my own department. I got to be sort of a, my stress came at different time than other people's stress. So I just really fell in love with the role of working as a hair person behind the scenes in production. And as a New Yorker, I thought the way to go about that was working in fashion. I did, you know, I signed with a creative agency when I finished beauty school and as like a junior artist, I did. I worked a lot of New York Fashion Week way back in the tents of Lincoln Center. And I did always enjoy it, but I actually preferred to find my way in the more commercial side of things, less than fashion. I did not have that creative drive, that avant-garde eye for fashion that some people just love. I really did find that my sweet spot was like just traditional beauty work, mm -hmm. you know, getting sure. ready to be on camera. And that has been, that was my push up until... The day I started doing hair TikToks, I was always hustling and pushing for that grind. And it's still my dream, still my absolute goal, my dream. I just am more focused on social media at the moment. So, you know, you have such beautiful hair. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just curious, you know, what is your relationship with your hair specifically? As somebody who works in the industry, I'm sure that your career does influence your own relationship with your own beauty. It sure does. I'm going to answer that in two parts. I will say that putting myself in front of the camera after years of being behind the scenes has been an 
uh, an interesting transition. I don't yeah. like the look of gift horse in the mouth. I love the opportunity I have and I'm happy to present myself, but it's, you know, recording yourself, editing yourself, replying to comments on videos where it's my voice playing on repeat while I try to think of a sentence to write back to someone. It's like a little too much of me. It's a little too much of my hair. It's a little too much of me for my own personal taste. But my, my outside of social media, my relationship to my hair is special. I started growing my hair long just for, I just wanted a style when I was like a teenager and I never knew what to do with it. And I met my very first boyfriend when I was in college as a summer intern in New York. And I subletted his spare room in the East Village and he opened the door to the apartment. Just this is back in the Craigslist days. He opened the door to his apartment. He had this long blonde hair. And was showing me the spare room to rent. And I thought, I gotta move in here and have this guy help me learn how to bust with my hair. Because my hair did not look as good as his. And that was a very special relationship that lasted a few years. And I've always, my hair has always sort of reminded me of that time. And it, it's emotional. It really, is. I do have an emotional connection to my, my own hair. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I, I am somebody who does connect with that so deeply like I have such an emotional connection with my hair so like what does that mean to you like is it something that you just are tied to it's a part of your identity yes I do think it's a part of my identity and then even deeper I look but you know I remember my my boyfriend from that time had passed a few years on I'm so sorry that is sort of a, a lingering connection that I have to to his memory and I in and it makes me happy it makes me so happy it's emotional in a good way. It is. And also it is part of my identity. I am, I feel very, it's like a comfort blanket in its own right. I would say that as someone who is a boy with long hair, who's been a hair stylist for 10 years, it's a go-to topic of conversation when I meet new people, you know, it's just like this comfort blanket in my life of sort of talking about hair, having long hair. It's a, and, and although it's shallow, it is what I learned. It, it, it's a vanity, but it is a really nice way to connect with people because people do have that personal relationship to their hair. So to meet someone new and chit chat with them about their hair, although it is a surface level thing and it's its own vanity, it, it is kind of an icebreaker. It's a very unique icebreaker <clears throat> because it's relatively personal and people have a lot of feelings wrapped up in there. Not all people, but you said you, I say me. So it's a great icebreaker in that way too. I totally agree. I was having a conversation with somebody on a previous podcast episode just about that very same topic where, you know, it may feel that beauty topics are superficial on some level. You always find that once you start talking about them, the next thing you know, you're talking about like substantive issues or things that are happening in your life or you're sharing stories that are personal. And so for that, I think it's absolutely an icebreaker. It's absolutely something that you can and should develop an emotional connection to on some level, right? So there was the, I will tell you, so I was in the airport coming home. My family lives in Detroit. I was coming home last week from a visit and the girl in front of me in the security line had really beautiful hair. And I just said, I love your hair. And she said, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. She turned around and in the few minutes we had in the security line, she told me that her boyfriend in the third grade told her that her hair, when it was air dried, natural looked swampy, quote unquote. Oh gosh. She ever since then had this 
issue with straightening, blow drying. And, and her hair was natural when I said that. And she was so complimented. And it's like, she literally gave, she was like, I'm going to tell you my life story, but blah, blah, blah. And gave it all to me. And I thought, well, I'm glad I said something. Sure. So just a fun tidbit about compliments here. So compliments are so powerful that they inspire a similar reward response in the brain as cash. So there was a study performed on about 50 adults and the researchers found that individuals who received compliments after a simple task were just as motivated to continue performing that task as the group that received a cash reward. They even found that both quote unquote rewards activated the same area of the brain. I could have been shy and just thought it and not said anything, but it was a, a, a sweet connection. And uh, that is really sort of uh, a little a mini example of what I think my greatest pleasure in being a hairstylist has been all these years. The accomplishments are great. The experiences are fabulous. And well, I will remember for a lifetime, but the day-to-day connecting with people about something that matters to them has been really unique. That kind of brings me into my next question. I ask all of my professionals this, what is your beauty philosophy, especially when you're working with with clients like you have for, you know, the majority of your career, how do you approach working with people in relationship to their hair? You know, for you, other people, it might be their skin. Other people might be makeup, but you know, like what's that philosophy? I love that question, by the way. I love that question because uh, we all do have our own beauty philosophy. And I, it's interesting that my philosophy is not change when I introduced social media to the mix. It only reinforced what I learned from the years and years of working with clients all day, every day. You gotta do what feels right to you. You know, it's that simple and it doesn't mean that you can't grow, evolve, change, take inspiration. You can do all those things, but it's gotta come from you. And I don't like pushing people into big makeovers. I don't like convincing people to try new things. I just really love having nuanced conversations with people to hear what really makes them feel good. What makes them feel that they're presenting their truest, happiest self to the world and finding ways to enhance that and bring that out and make that their their comfort zone. I love that answer. And I'm curious when somebody sits down in your chair, you know, how do you, how do you find that out? Because I feel like some people may not have the language to articulate that to you. So is it just something that you have a conversation with them? You know, like what's your approach? It is, you're so right. Language is so limiting. Language, even images can be so limiting. It's crazy how just showing a picture, we're not looking at the same details. Totally. We're defining it differently in our head. I like to have a really in-depth conversation and that might, some people, that is a turn up, especially maybe this is just a New York City client problem. Some people are like, why are you asking me so many questions? It's like, for you, I'm asking you questions for you. But that is, I, I do a lengthy, a lengthy consultation. And even that means if it's just a blowout, I for years, I worked at Glam Squad and Dry Bar for years. I even made women or people, sorry, anyone getting their hair blow dried, give me 90 second consultation just for a blowout. Yeah. Because I want to ask the questions that get down to what you actually want. Because everybody does actually want something particular. 
and we can get to it and we can get there through that uh, consultation. I, I agree with you. I think some people are like a little bit shy in the chairs, but I every time I go and get my hair done, I love just sitting and chatting about beauty. And I realize that that is something because I just love beauty in general, but it really does get you to the end result. And one thing that you brought up earlier was like, you know, looking at a picture or, you know, talking about something, we all have different definitions. And I think that is one thing that I always stress to people so, so much. I'm like, when you go in, and you show them a picture of blonde, right? Your version of blonde is different from their version of blonde, you know? And I think that's like one of the biggest hurdles. So, you know, I'm curious, like, how would you encourage other people to kind of talk with their hairstylist if if this has been a problem for them in the past? Like, because obviously you go in it with a consultation, but not all hairstylists do this. Is there a way that you can give advice to people when they're talking to their hairstylist to kind of like be able to meet in the middle? I, w- I truly wish I had the answer to this. I've, yeah. As you're describing it, it's bringing to mind this really unfortunate client I always used to get stuck with because it just fell into my schedule on a Friday for weeks where I got to her building and this was just a blowout and she stayed more than two words from the time I entered an accident. And I tried everything I could to get more information to see how I could, you know, be sure she was getting the service she wanted. And some people just cannot go there. Some people just can't go there. Yeah. And they will possibly not receive the service that they love. So I feel, I wish I had an answer for that because I am like you. I'm such a talker. I'm such a, such a, you know, break it down. Let's talk about it person. I struggle with clients like that. I have struggled in the past with clients like that. I I try to just personally not be shy and blast through it till I have some good direction. But if that is something that you struggle with, I'm sorry. I wish I had better advice. <laughs> it's like, but I, I will stress that if it's something you can sort of work out in your head ahead of time, don't be afraid to sound scripted, quote unquote, or to go yep. in with your thoughts written down. The person on the receiving end, the stylist, wants as much information as possible. So if it's hard for you to go there, just do anything you can to to be more prepared to share your real thoughts if that's something that's not natural for you. I think that's actually really good advice, like going in with notes, because I have definitely done this, like, you know, pre, pre-beauty editor days where I've gone in and I have an idea of what I want. And then I realize once I sit down in the chair, I remember like none of my talking points, you know, I'm like, what did I want? What color was I going for? Who was my inspiration? Like, where did I want it? You know, what layers did I want? So I think like going in with actual written down notes is such a good tip. I'm like, I love that. I'm going to tell people to start doing that. Okay, great. And I want to just confirm as stylist, I would in no way think that's weird. People, I get questions all the time. People be like, would it be weird if I this? Would it be weird if I that? I'm like, if you knew the things people didn't ask us if they were weird, but they just went ahead and did it to every hairstylist starting from beauty school up to the best, most glamorous backstage moments you could ever imagine. We see it all, <laughs> it all, and you coming in with a little bit of notes prepared on how you want your service, that would in no way be weird. Cool. I love that. Great tip. Right. So- you know, you obviously have such a great TikTok following. It's how I stumbled upon you and your work. And, you know, you had 
previously in this conversation mentioned that it happened due to the pandemic. And, you know, as a way to push your work forward in a time where I, you know, we all couldn't be together. And, you know, I'm just, I'm curious, did you, was this a surprise to you to see your work blow up? You know, is it something that, you know, you, you could have foreseen coming? I'm just, I'm curious how that journey has been, because it does seem that your work has just done so well on the platform. Oh my goodness. I appreciate you saying that so much. And I 100% did not see it coming. And I don't want this to sound dowdy or not confident. I just, I really never anticipated this. I feel very confident as a stylist. So it was what certain ideas I thought to myself, uh, once it clicked that I should do hair stuff, I was really confident moving forward. But it, what really happened was I did, took a random video of my neighbors on their roof trying to learn the savage dance. And I just made little snarky comments over it and posted it when that was sort of an early trend on TikTok during the pandemic. And the video got a few million views within a week. And I thought, okay, so that's what viral is. Even and yeah. is now viral to me so much more. But I just never experienced that. I never experienced being broadcast to so many people at once so effortlessly. So my boyfriend said to me, why don't you do hair stuff? Yeah. I was like, oh my God, of course. Because I'm not that, it's like the one funny thing that I happened on to, I happened on. Like yeah. my sense of humor is not going to create a viral channel. I don't have that. But what I do have is a lot of experience of people's trials and tribulations with their hair. So I sort of just dug into what are those things that everyone asks me about always. And it gave me, you know, those first few months, just limitless content ideas to pull from, from the last 10 years. And I got really into it. I got really excited by it, really into the opportunity. And I took it and ran. Yeah. I mean, just a follow-up question on that. What are some of the questions that you kept on getting over and over again that inspired some of your content. How do I get more volume? How do I make my blowout less frizzy? How do I, what do I do if I use too much dry shampoo? What you, these little things that just I'd overheard for a decade at that point from clients, I just would go to bed at night thinking, what's another thing Everett has a hard time with? What's it? Oh, my, why is my ponytail too flat? Why is my bobby pit slip? All these little things that like people just, I would just sit around waiting for the next idea to hit me. Be like, I'm going to make that tomorrow. Sure. And you know, when, when you start making this content, what's the process like? Because I know that like hair can be so different for everyone, but your, your advice is so succinct and helpful and like for a broad audience, you know, so how do you go through that process of like picking a topic and then editing it down in a way that is just so like easy and effortless because I can assume that might be challenging right that's probably the hardest part of the whole thing like some you know sometimes my friends will want to like encourage me and be like oh you got this many views and it only takes you 10 minutes to make that video I'm like okay yes that video did only take 10 minutes to shoot edit and post but I was thinking about how to approach it for you know 76 hours leading up to that moment So the process is a lot of thinking and a lot of, uh, I really, I was not familiar with social media. So I definitely did a lot of TikTok scrolling 
to see what is the way people are already communicating. And on that, picking the topics, there is a whole hair TikTok out there. There is a whole world of people posting about hair on TikTok. And I think I just try to stay abreast of the conversation and jump in and put my two cents in. You know, that makes it a lot easier. There is already just a constant moving dialogue about hair care on TikTok. And I, so I, I just, I don't even have to come up with the topics a lot. Like cloth clips. Everything right now is about a cloth clip. I thought people hated cloth clips. I remembered those from like my older sisters in the 90s. And, uh, and then they came back. I didn't predict that, but came back and all everyone, it's like some of my most viral videos from the summer are like claw clip tricks. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of dives into my next question. Social media can spur some pretty broad trends, you know, and yes. some of them can get kind of weird, you know. So what are some of the wildest trends that you have seen in your time on social media? Okay, this first one, I didn't even... This is not hair, but it, I cannot get these images out of my head. Okay. With the people putting corn syrup in a bottle with like Sprite or Mountain Dew or coffee and freeze it and then squeeze it out the top of the bottle and eat it like it's... What? It's the weird... It freezes these liquids in a really weird like goo state and then they like explode out the top and people take these big bites with it. It's horrifying. I can... I am literally so sucked in and so afraid at the same. Uh, okay, well, this hasn't shown up on my algorithm, and now I'm so afraid it is. You are lucky. You're so lucky. I okay. remember actually a hair one that I think kind of, I, I just couldn't get on board with this. It was really popular right when I started doing hair videos on TikTok. Okay. Sleeping with your hair coated in purple shampoo. For Whoa. I know. And I'm like, whether you use sulfate or non-sulfate shampoo, no matter what the situation is, the ingredients in shampoo should not be left on your hair overnight. Just uh, what I, you know, may I could yeah. get backlash for say, who knows, maybe there's one person out there benefits. The general public, we don't need shampoo, surfactants, and ingredients on our strands for eight hours at a time. No, that's so dry. I know, I know. And so people, People would post these videos and show, you know, they wash it out, they blow dry it, and look how icy, purpley, lavendery my, my results were. I'm just like, oh no, not worth it. Okay, not so worth it. not worth it, but follow question. Could you hypothetically do that with a purple conditioner? Not that I'm recommending people do this. I'm just curious now. I would have the, I would have no, no flinching at doing that with a purple conditioner. Okay, That's okay. What freaked me out was the shampoo. Yeah. The shampoo element. I thought, you know, people are just, we're so, here's the thing I've learned about doing hair information on TikTok. Keeping it basic is most people are not a hairstylist. Most people yep. are functioning at less base knowledge about hair. So purple shampoo, they don't even know purple conditioner exists. So taking a second here to explain the concept of purple shampoos or conditioners. So these are essentially at-home toning products, meaning they help color correct or adjust your hair color or undertones. See, when you dye your hair, you may find that over time, the color adjusts and you start seeing undertones like yellow or red or orange that you may not want. In these cases, hairstylists often recommend you use something like a purple shampoo. So the science behind them is actually quite simple. The products themselves contain pigments, which 
can be natural or synthetic, and then those are deposited and absorbed by the hair. These pigments then cancel out the other tones that are showing up in your hair color. So purple is definitely the most famous, but there are other options out there like green and blue, for example. To find one that works for you, it is as simple as using a color wheel. So we know that when you look at a color wheel, the different colors on each opposite end of the wheel cancel each other out. So green cancels out red, purple cancels out yellow, and blue cancels out orange. So if your hair is starting to develop those yellow undertones and you don't want them, use a purple shampoo or conditioner. Or if your hair is getting brassy and orange, blue is your best bet. And if you start to see some red undertones, you can grab a green product. Most people think these are just for those who lighten their hair like blondes, but anybody who colors their hair can definitely get use out of these. Brunettes, for example, often find that they develop red undertones, so brunettes are often encouraged to use green products. Yeah. So this trend was out there and I'm like, oh, if you would just switch it to conditioner, it would be so much better. Sure. But yeah, that's so interesting. Like you have to do everything almost at like the lowest common denominator just to make sure that everyone's on the same page. It's true. It's very true. So what are some of the other, you know, hair trends that you've seen? And maybe not the wildest ones, but just ones that kind of surprised you and you felt that you needed to test out or, you know, at least like dive into on some level just to put your expertise in there. We really great. Here's, here's a super like researched beauty topic. How to curl your hair with a flat iron. That's like on the list of things people look up in, the, in, in general in beauty. And there is this method that I believe I've seen varied arguments as to who created this imagery for this tutorial. Someone credits someone on YouTube, wherever it might have come from. It's not that a new concept of curling your hair with a flat iron, but there is this video, my, I've done it two or three times and it's gotten good views every time. Some girl just went super viral doing it. You hold your flat iron horizontal, you wrap a section of hair over it. Then when you come back around, you feed it through the two plates, mm -hmm. close them down and slide down the hair strand. And this, without having to flick your wrist, you now give yourself that ribboning effect. Sure. Flat iron curl. And so many people cannot curl their hair with a flat iron and this is so easy to pull off it just it blows people's mind and the visual of it is really exciting for people to watch i think because it's this sort of magical hairstylist only know how to do it thing yeah it's so easy and i love it that is cool because i do feel like I even find curling my hair with a flat iron near possible. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I do think it just kind of brings those like really cool hairstylists, like insider hacks to the masses in like a really interesting way. Another one that I noticed that you have tried is and that I that I see on my TikTok all the time is this like heatless curl method where you wrap your hair around that like halo thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? That went so viral. You're yeah. still, that is another one. I don't know how they didn't think of that absolutely first. That has been probably one of the most viral hair conversations is about the heatless curls. Yes. There are a few companies have sprung up off of it selling those little like silk tube things as a, you know, you could do it with a bathrobe, you could do it yeah. with anything. 
So people have literally created online retail businesses around that trend coming up. This is one that I am excited to kind of pick your brain on because I do know that like one of the things that I don't particularly like about social media is that it it presents ideas as, oh, try this. It works for everybody when when we know that's not how hair or skin or makeup works. You know, we know that we're all different. We all have our own unique needs. And to present something as like the best of the best is isn't always true for everybody, you know? And I I remember when you tried this, you felt that it it wasn't necessarily the best for people with like naturally curly hair. Am I remembering that correctly? Absolutely. You have it absolutely right. I and I knew the sad part was is I slept with all that crap on my hair just to prove a point. Sure. <laughs> I didn't set myself up to fail. I didn't yeah. try to. But if you read the comments on any of my videos like that, you know, everyone agree. It's not, if you even just have wavies, sure. more than a, a minor weight, if you have any amount of texture, if your hair holds texture from like forehead to eyebrow, chances are that is not going to be a great way for you to do your hair. There might be some outliers out there that just because of the texture and whatever products they use, it does control them the right way. But if you have natural texture ranging from tight wave all the way up through tightest curls possible, that is not really going to give you what it's giving in those videos of these straight haired people doing it. Sure. And, you know, I am curious with your work because I do feel like you you're very like nuanced with your work where you're like, oh, this will work for X, Y, Z people or this will work for another group of people. How how do you approach these hair trends and these hair tips knowing that everybody's different? Is it just about being like open and honest or, you know, do you try to, you know, I'm just curious just because that can be a hard part of social media. I appreciate you saying that I'm doing it well. I do. I, I have misstepped in the past. I've learned from, you know, yeah, it's all the, one of the hardest things to talk about on social media for hair is curls mm. because the word curl means so much. So much. Yeah. Well, that is one that through trial and error and learning the hard way of saying the wrong thing and getting feedback and taking content down so that I can present things in a better way. You know, I know, luckily I don't have anything hurtful in my heart. So I've never intentionally tried to marginalize anyone or leave people out or misrepresent something. So anytime I've ever gotten feedback saying, oh, I'm this kind of person and that is not true for me. Yeah. It's been a learning experience, never like a problematic moment because I just, it's my content is not controversial in that way. And I'm always open to learning what I might not be aware of. And I will always want to grow and continue. And so I'm open to all the feedback. And that's partially how it goes. The very first thing I ever posted of about quote unquote products for curlier. When I first started doing TikTok, I made videos at CVS grabbing three products off the shelf. So I would say my favorite dry shampoos and pick the three low cost dry shampoos that I like. Someone left a comment saying, can you show drugstore products for curlier? This was very early on. I didn't have experience with how many people see every video. And I used that comment and made a video replied to it. I pulled three random things and I said, this is good for really loose curl. This is good for super tighter curls. This is good for, you know, conditioner. Very gentle. 
Mm-hmm. And the feedback was wrong, 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 wrong. And that feedback was coming from people who their hair wasn't addressed in the video. So yes, a big part of this conversation here is there are so many different hair types and each requires its own unique routine. Hair is often categorized from type one, which is straight to type four. Each type then has three different subtypes from A to C. It is a method that was created and popularized by a hairstylist named Andre Walker, and it has kind of become like the industry standard at this point. If you're curious where you fall on this spectrum, we have a growing library of content about hair types on the website, including a quiz, which I will absolutely link to in the show notes in case you're curious and want to go check it out for yourself. But you know, hair type isn't the only thing that affects your hair care routine. Hair porosity, density, growth, length, scalp type, and lifestyle factors like heat styling or coloring will all influence how you care for your hair and exactly what you need to care for it. Obviously, that is a lot of different variables that are all influencing your routine, which is why no one's looks the same. That's why it is so important when you are on social media and looking at other people's hair care tips, you evaluate it against what you need for yourself. Half the fun of hair is just experimenting and trying new things and figuring out what works for you. Yeah. I warned, be much more specific when you address topics like with product recommendation and just try to respect that it's not, nothing is ever for everyone. So don't use those terms because Mm. that is what hurts people understand that not everything presented online is for them personally mm-hmm. but if something is presented as this is great for everyone and you feel like well i'm part of everyone and that does not work for me so now i'm affected i get that yeah i get that so that new that ability that sort of keying in on just how i describe things so that someone who it doesn't apply to is not hurt and left out that's where i come from yeah I think that's such a good way to look at it, too, just because, you know, you're absolutely right. Not everything can apply to everybody. That's just the nature of it. And so it's just about like phrasing. And yeah, I think that's just like really interesting and thoughtful advice. But, you know, I I don't want to have you on without getting into hair care tips because you clearly have so, so, so many. And, you know, we can caveat this conversation with, you know, everyone's different and everyone might have different hair care tips that work for them. But, you know, you personally, what are some of your non-negotiable hair care tips that, you know, you you really think are just really good baseline tips? My non-negotiables. Okay, let's yeah. go. I like something left on the length of your hair strands after it's washed. Mm. Yeah. For some people, that's a no-brainer. Duh, I use leave-in conditioner. I use detangler. I use this cream and that cream. For some people, they're like, I could not put anything on my hair after it's dried or it will be totally weighed down, blah, blah, blah. No matter where you fall, I like something left on the Even if you have thin, fine hair that is prone to greasiness and it's long, it's like maybe that means letting a tad of your conditioner stay on the end after you rinse it all off your scalp really well, just maybe that's finding the lightest, lightest, lightest mist of something and just hitting your ends with it. If you have a few inches of length coming down, I like the it to be protected from your day-to-day living. Got it. Some sort of product on it. And so you do that to like keep, because the ends are usually the, the first to experience wear and tear, right? 
Right. So this is to, to prevent wear and tear because even if you tell me I don't blow dry my hair, I don't heat style my hair. It's like, well, if you put on a jacket, if you, mm. you, know, you take a nap on the couch, if you wear a hat, if you put on a sweatshirt over your t-shirt and your hair is now between the two layers, these are all things that can cause wear and tear. So a little bit of something on your hair goes so far. That is true. And, and for many people out there, they're like thinking, duh, of course. But there are a lot of people who refuse and they want to barely even use conditioner. And we need something. Our hair is like a textile and sure. well with some element of, you know, protection, fabric softener, something like that. Ooh, I love that analogy. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay. So, you know, you definitely always want something on your hair. What are some other, you know, go-to tips that you think are pretty tried and true? If you want volume... No, this is like for whatever your hair texture may be. If you want volume when your hair is wet, you want the roots lifted, whether you're air drying, blow drying, diffusing, whatever you're doing. If you want volume on your head, lift at the root. Let them be lifted while they go from wet to dry. And if you want to avoid frizziness, whether your hair is thin, fine, and straight, or total tight, curly texture, that wet moment is where you help prevent frizz more than any product, more than anything. Where you lay your hair down when it's soaking wet and how you let it dry without touching it, you let it go from that wet to dry, either perfectly in place with your blow dryer and brush or laid down and not touched until dry. That is how you, the best way to avoid frizz. What are some ways people can do this? Is it about like diffusing your hair with your head flipped over? Like should you be using rollers? Like I'm just curious. All of the above. So you can, you are someone who first I rough dry my hair and then I curling iron and flat iron it. And you want more volume, rough dry it with your head flipped over. Okay. You round brush, blow dry every section. All those, all the face framing and crown sections, root lifted up, air blowing up the whole time. Mm. You do rollers, put those rollers coming from straight up off of your head with the base totally lifted like that. The hair at the base, you don't even want it sagging. You want it tight on the roller, lift it like 90 degree angles up from where it's connected to. And if you're air drying, you can use varying sizes of clips based on how much hair you have to literally clip your roots standing up and like that for maybe the first 30 minutes of your dry, maybe the first two hours of your air dry, maybe till your hair is completely dry. Some element of clipping and physically standing up that root on your hairline or your crown will let it air dry with the hair remembering to be standing up rather than laying down. So the second tip about frizz and like leaving hair alone, I have a personal question that I want to ask you. Okay, so I know that I'm supposed to leave my hair alone while I'm driving, right? Like I do have naturally frizzy hair. I'm prone to it. I don't mind a little bit of frizz. I think it's kind of like sexy and fun. But for the most part, I do like try to stick to this advice of leaving my hair alone, letting it be. However, how do I do that when I'm diffusing it? Because like I'm naturally like touching and moving my hair, right? Or is, or can I do that when I'm diffusing it? I'm curious because I, I, I never know what to do. 
<laughs> Great question. Great question. Yes, you can avoid doing it when you diffuse. My, what I would recommend for diffusing, I do have some videos of this, is the hover and tilt. And this is, by the way, what everyone, this is not something I've created. I just want to be clear, I'm not taking credit for hovers thing. Hover and tilt is the best way you can, you know, while your hair is still soaking wet before the diffuser comes out, get your part in place, lay everything in place, maybe have your roots clipped up for volume, like I said, and then you want to do each side. I'm doing it now in my chair. I lead all the way over so that the hair is away, like falling off of the scalp. So like, I will literally stand with my top of my body, like leaned over to the left and do the left side and then lean over to the right and do the right side. So you're, when you're leaning, all the hair is just hanging down away from the scalp and you keep the heat above it, pointed down the hair shaft. So if that visual makes sense, yeah. so there are videos of that posted on my TikTok. We'll make sure to link to those at the show notes. <laughs> there, is good hover until, there is a good hover until moment in a video from like two weeks ago. Okay, that cool. That shows it well. And the other thing though, is you talked about touching your hair. You can do that. You can touch your hair when you diffuse it. It just gets you a different result. Sure. And when you touch it while you're diffusing it, you're going to get more volume in the lengths of the hair, bigger, bouncier, fluffier mm -hmm. hair, mm -hmm. slightly less curl definition, maybe a tad more quote unquote frizz. So wh whichever likes that are different. So if you love that really full, super, super full, touch your hair while it diffuse the, you know, diffuse yeah. the ends early and touch them and cup them with the diffuser fingers. And that, that will all expand the volume and body through the length of your hair. So, you know, one thing that I, I tend to see a lot um, of questions come in from our audience um, about this product in particular is dry shampoo. And, you know, I know you mentioned up top that like one of the questions that you often get is like, what do you do if you apply too much dry shampoo or, you know, like dry shampoo applications? So I'm curious, do you have any tips on using dry shampoo? So many. I swear. Hashtag dry shampoo was like got me my first 10,000 followers. I such a topic of conversation. So many questions around it. Uh, many different ways to use it, many different purposes for it. I like to break it down that you have aerosol and non-aerosol options. And your aerosol is going to be stronger, stickier, and more residue than what you get from the non-aerosol. But the non-aerosol does not add as much volume, instant volume. So what you want to do is if you're using one that has, that is aerosol, that has that residue, I try to go like under layers, maybe not spray it directly onto my parting, but do that, you know, thin little slice and spray it under the parting, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Also, you can rub dry shampoo away. A little brush, a little finger action really starts to, fingers especially, because you know, it's counterintuitive to say add oil. But the oils on your finger do help break down that dry shampoo cast. And one of my first viral videos was my little trick that I always have in the back of my pocket. If there's too much dry shampoo, because I used to do this to myself. I used to just cover my head to look white and then take serum and break the serum, a teeny bit of serum and rub it on my palms so super broken down and then just go through and get that, that clear serum 
cuts the white cast of the dry shampoo instantly. A lot of people said that makes no sense because now you're just adding oil where the point was to get rid of the oil. It's like, okay, well, sometimes you got to add a little dirt to clean it up and get the dirt where you want it. So it, it's not, that is not cleaning your, oh, this is another thing. People get hung up on that it's called dry shampoo. There is no cleansing going on. No. Most of us using dry shampoo, we know that, we get that. You do not have to tell us that our hair is still dirty. We are aware it's still dirty. We would have washed it if it was an option. It was not an option. So we're using this style tool to make it appear less whatever. And there are just so many people that ever you post dry shampoo, people just be like, that's disgusting. Just wash your hair. It's like, okay, well, then you don't get it. And this video is not for you. I love that. Okay. So, you know, what do you do for your own hair care routine? You have such gorgeous texture. What's your, you know, uh, wash routine and what is your styling routine? OMG, I appreciate that. I'm going to give you, the I'm going to give you a quick ease of the two. So there is my air dried routine is completely different than my blow dried routine. My air dried routine is lukewarm water only mm -hmm. washed with usually sulfate free some every once in a while i'll throw in like a sulfate shampoo just because so i'm always if i'm going to be natural it's almost always sulfate free shampoo silicone uh, conditioner with silicone so okay. i do use silicone i'm not curly girl proof i and then lightweight leave-in out of the shower lightweight leave-in conditioner on the root heavy leave-in conditioner on the ends and then some sort of curl defining product. I vacillate between a lot of different ones. Sometimes I use a gel, sometimes I use a cream, sometimes I use a mix of the both. And then I leave it and just let it air dry completely. I try not to diffuse. I just like how it turns out better. Sure. I let it walk like that. Below dry routine is pretty different. Temperature of the water, I don't even really focus on. I'll just wash it how it's gotta get washed. Not even that picky about shampoo. You know, when I'm in the realm of blow drying, it's like sulfate. Okay, that's fine. There's a lot of crap on my hair. It's not going to dry my skin out. It's just going to be cleansing product. Minimal conditioner. If I'm going to be doing a blow dry. I like to just condition the ends. And then I have out of the shower, like any form of heat protecting leave-in. So a creamy, creamy leave-in that is also labeled marked as heat protector because you can call things heat buffers because anything on your hair is technically a buffer from the heat but a heat protector is actually a legal definition as to how it has to be tested for withstanding heat up to i believe 400 something degrees interesting we want to use, we're going to use heat i like to go with something that the branding the labeling straight up says heat protectant sure we test it so one of my go-tos for years and years and years that I love is the Kerastase Lot and Cryoball. I'm obsessed with that pre-blowout product. Mm -hmm. I like to get that on my wet, wet hair, soak it in, make sure it's really soaked in. Great detangling. Detangling is so important for a blowout. And then really clean, neat sections. So a lot of gator clips. Those clips help me. Because I, you know, I could blow dry someone else's hair with no clips and all balance but when it's on your own head make it easy get the clips get the sectioning combs do it all make it easy love it 
And then do you like finish it off with anything or are you usually pretty good to go after the blowout? I'm usually pretty good to go. I The follow-up to the blowout, I try my hardest to just do like no product on it for those first few hours and like mm-hmm. stay in the air conditioning only and don't do anything. Sure. Mess with my hair. And then follow-up as the days go on, I love a serum for like day two or even maybe bedtime on night one. A little bit of serum. So good. I like a silicone serum. Again, I'm not curly girl friendly. Love a silicone serum. It's okay. I, I, I use silicone sometimes too. I, I oscillate between using them and not using them. Sometimes I'm like, it's fine. And then other times I like go through phases where I'm like, no more silicones. So I, I I'm there with I, you. That's good in its own right, by the way. I really, my personal belief is that it's good to have, you know, going through it all and changing it up can be good because you just, you know, you're always going to be giving new things that they are needs. Sure. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose, but now that I have your approval. Absolutely <laughs> approved. Cool. Okay. So last question is, you know, this is obviously beauty podcast, but it's beauty through the lens of wellness. And I'm a big believer that, you know, everything we do in our life affects our beauty in some way. And so even, you know, we, we focused on hair here, but you know, how we take care of our bodies does affect, it affects our scalp, it affects our skin and it affects our health. So, you know, how do you take care of yourself? How do you stress relieve? How do you get sleep? What are your priorities when it comes to wellness? They have changed a lot since COVID started. I pre COVID, my main focus on wellness was physical fitness. And I felt my best when I was very checked into a weekly fitness routine. And I had times in my life where I was more strident and I had times in my life where I was less, but that was really what it was. Things changed so much in the last two years. Where I really stand now for wellness is peace and time with the people I love. Mm -hmm. That is what does everything for me. I cannot be at peace if I have no time for the people that I love. I am right there with you. Spending time with my friends and family is definitely shot up on that self-care and wellness list over these past two years. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us. This was so interesting. I, I know that I got a ton of tips and I am sure everybody listening did too. And if anybody's listening wants more tips, you can absolutely go follow Matt. Matt, why don't you share your handles just so people can have them and find you easily? Matt loves hair. Easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much again. I I love following you. So I really encourage everybody listening to go follow Matt too. You will learn so, so much and you will have a blast doing it. So thank you again. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. It's so much fun chatting. Hey guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, MindBodyGreen, our Instagram at MindBodyGreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the MindBodyGreen podcast. Thanks again. See you next week.